Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on SoundCloud or iTunes and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guests today are Declan Mead and Sarah Gilmartin, the editors of Stinging Fly Stories, a new book of short stories published to celebrate 20 years of the literary magazine The Stinging Fly. The first issue came out in March 1998 with the aim of seeking out, publishing and promoting the very best new Irish and international writing. And that's exactly what it's still doing today. The new book features 40 stories that were originally published in The Stinging Fly over the past 20 years. And some of the writer's featured include Colin Barrett, Kevin Barry, Mary Costello, Lisa McInerney and Nuala O'Connor. Declan, Sarah, welcome to Inside Books and firstly congratulations on the book, 40 short stories in one volume. Thank you. A lot there. Was it hard work? Uh, it, was, it was quite hard work, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was obviously something we wanted to do or I wanted to do as as the founding editor of The Sting and Fly. Um to kind of celebrate the 20 years, um, which was in a way a scary prospect in terms of, oh, that much time has passed. But we, I, you know, one of the things for me was always that the magazine would would keep going for as long as it possibly could. And well, so, two decades is not bad going, yeah, in no, fairness. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and you've obviously published stories from hundreds of writers over those 20 years. So how hard was it to choose the final 40 you would go with? Um, well, I suppose that was partly why I brought um, asked Sarah to come in on the project. Um, would have asked her in September uh, 2016, I think, um, if she was interested in doing it. And because Sarah um, regularly reviews new fiction for the Irish Times, I felt that she'd be really well placed, to, you know, to read through the back catalogue of stories and kind of place those in some kind of context in terms of um, the debut authors that she is, is reviewing each week. And was it a case that you thought Sarah would bring a fresh pair of eyes? Absolutely. Yes. And Sarah, how did you find reading all of them? I mean, there was about 400 pieces of, of work. Yes, there was in the region of 400 pieces. So it took a while. I started at Christmas, over the Christmas holidays, uh, December 2016. And then I read up until... I'd say about April uh, with bits of other work uh, in between as well so it wasn't consistent but to be honest uh, it didn't feel like it was an awful lot of work it didn't feel like a drag or anything like that I I really enjoyed doing it I remember thinking years ago I was working for a bank and a friend of mine had given me a copy of The Stinging Fly and I just thought oh I don't really have time to read it at the moment and now I've read every single issue well in terms (laughs) of the fiction so uh, it's great And what criteria then were you using as you were reading them? I suppose, I don't know if I had a forensic approach uh, when I was going through the stories. Uh, Stories that I had a connection to, an emotional connection to, stories that gripped me in terms of plot or story or a really strong character's voice, an authentic voice. However, most of the stories had uh, either one of those or some of them had uh, all of them. So it was... um, I suppose because there was 400, the way I did it every week, at the end of a week, I would think, what were the ones that I really remember? So there was kind of a natural selection process that way. And then I would go back through my notes and say, you know, have I forgotten one? Have I missed one? Sifted through it that way as well. And did you go to Declan then with, uh, you know, a a shortlist of 100 and then you collaborated or how did it work? 
I went uh, to Declan with what I thought was a shortlist, but Declan <laughs> thought it was a long shortlist. Is that right? Yeah, no, it was a fairly long list. And then there was, I think there were definites and then there were uh, definite contenders. And then there was, uh, <laughs> oh, and here's this other list that we really shouldn't forget either. And um, so, I mean, I didn't get the full 400 and it listed back to me, but. <laughs> there, there was an, it was, it was about, I had a look at it uh, earlier today. It was about 90, 90 to 100 stories. So you're, you're right. Okay, in so and in some cases there would have been a couple of stories by different mm. by the, the same author that we had to choose from as well. So were there many rounds then? I don't think we fought at all. No. Interesting. So mm. were you on the same page really in terms of of the end choices? Well, I think there was a point where we we weren't sure how many stories we'd get into the book. So I think um, it kept growing. Yeah, we aimed for about thirty at one point, I think, and then. Um, we added to it and we, then we got up to 36 and it was just a case of, you know, how many stories will we actually be able to fit into the book and how many pages should the book be and do, we don't want to go over a certain page count because then the book just becomes a massive thing that... Doorstop. <laughs> that people won't be able to even carry or lift. Um, so we got it up to 40 in the end and that was perhaps, in you know, doing that we probably... We might have chosen a couple of the shorter stories by writers so that we'd get another shorter story in, that type of thing. And how did you go back and approach the writers then? What conversation did you have with them about including them in the book? Um, it was just a case then of emailing the writers and in, you know, and from the early stories, I mean, we wanted to get a mix of stories across the, the span of the magazine, but I mean, but then we're also looking at them afresh, I suppose, you know, so I, all these stories did go through an initial selection process to get into the magazine, so, um, and... So the quality was already um, good? Well, you'd hope so, and in a way, <laughs> bringing Sarah in, the idea there, again, was that um, she would be able to judge that kind of independently of what I had thought at the time. And, you know, so it was good for me to see early stories come up in her list. Um, and interestingly, Sarah, seen as you were sort of coming to it quite fresh and you were rereading them, did many of them stand the test of time? I think so, because um, we we look back at the early issues as well. And there's a good few stories from the early issues that have gone into the magazine. The criteria was a little bit different early on in The Stinging Fly. There was a word count of 2000, uh, whereas later issues, the word count uh, was gotten rid of. So you'd see longer stories uh, in later issues. So there was a little bit of difference yeah. in that I mean, way. The very first issue of the magazine was just uh, around 24 pages. So whereas it was, now it's, it's 224 pages. That's right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we just had we I think as I um, edited the magazine, you know, over those early years, I was beginning to see that um, it was in the longer stories that the writing got more interesting. And, you know, that so, the ch you know, the challenge of a short story is to compress and to make something uh, to take something quite big and make it make it small and meaningful um, and have an impact with the story. But at the same time, I think a lot more can be done with a three, four, five thousand word story than you, than a writer can achieve with the 2,000, 2,500 words. But yet we do still have a few of the very shorter ones or the much the shorter ones in there. So then I suppose the page count ranges from about five pages up to 
24 pages per story. So no matter how much time you have, you'll be able to, to find a story that will fit that couple of minutes that you have while, yeah. you're, while you're having your coffee. And interestingly, again, I suppose, you know, again, we are talking about stories and writing over two decades. And I'm imagining working, as you did, Sarah, from the start to the finish of all of that copy, it was like a walk through the social and economic history of Ireland, because I've no doubt that a lot of the topics would have related to things that were prevalent in society at a particular time. Uh, yes, absolutely. So from some of the older stories, although I don't know, because a lot of the time, even newer authors might talk about uh, the past or might talk about older stories as well. So there was kind of a mix. But you did see uh, stories maybe early on uh, that would focus more on an older Ireland, an Ireland where women didn't have as much freedom, uh, didn't have as much choice. And then later stories that had a more contemporary voice. So I'm thinking of Ema Ryan's story in particular. Uh, very young feel to it uh, about a girl going girl going over to America uh, and other stories like that as well. And interestingly, I have no doubt the writing and the way people wrote. Did that change over the years? Was there much of an evolution in the writing process? I don't think so. At least not something that I noticed in particular. Declan, maybe you'd be better place to answer that but not in terms of not even in terms of style really I'm sort of wondering I suppose did did writing over the years get better and better or did you find peaks and troughs if you know what I mean over Um, the years Well I think we've always kind of just found enough story like every time we put out a call for submissions um, and the number of submissions we've got you know has increased like so we may have probably had 50 stories let's say for the first issue or the first few issues and part of what we were trying to do was to promote uh, still is promoting the short story so I think we got a name for ourselves as publishing short stories and therefore more and more submissions came in and so now we take submissions online but for the the issue we've just brought out we had 700 stories come in so it's like an incredible number of stories to read through but um, we might end up with 14 or 15 stories that we take from that. 700 submissions for each magazine and you publish now twice a year. Yeah. Do you read every one of those submissions? Well, at the moment, the new editor is Sally Rooney and she has just come through the process of doing her first issue this summer. 2018 issue and she read all the 700 stories that come in, yes. Really? And her reaction was... Um, well, she's once she was picked up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah, you thought 400 was I know, bad. I got away with murder. <laughs> yeah. And on that, I suppose, let's just go back to, you know, 20 years ago with The Stinging Fly and you decided to set up the magazine. Why? What prompted you at that point? Well, I think at that time, it was just a very particular time where there were uh, very, there happened to be uh, very few literary magazines around. Um, so this was late 1997. And we brought out the first issue in March 1998. Um, and it was, there were just uh, very few magazines around. I was actually trying to write short stories myself and I joined a couple of writing groups and did a couple of courses in the Irish Writers' Centre and was meeting lots of people in the same situation as I was, you know, in terms of writing stories or poems and the common complaint was that there was a lack of places to send your work and having listened to this for about a year or so um, I you know along with a friend Eva Kavanagh we decided that we'd set up the magazine just to test out whether that writing was there and um, and if it was that we'd publish it in a magazine but you know I 
I suppose it was it took a while for me to see that this is actually what I love doing and that it was something I could do. I hadn't really considered, I mean, while I was trying to write stories myself, I hadn't considered what happened would happen to them afterwards. Um, you know. Um, and the reaction, though, was very positive from readers, writers and the industry. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I think we've tried to publish what we've published, what we publish well. So in terms of the editorial input um, and in terms of just producing an attractive magazine and work that is of a quality that will attract readers to, to come back to the magazine again and again. Um, and, and how many were you publishing each year initially? We'd published three issues up until a year, up until um, last year, 2017. And then the decision then was to, instead of doing the three issues that at that stage had reached around 128 pages, that we'd do the two bigger ones. So we're still publishing, we're actually publishing more more work over those two issues. It just saves a bit on the production side of things. And in terms of, you know, each issue of the magazine, I, I was going to say, you know, you do seek out new writing. Where do you go and find it? But obviously at this point, you know, people comes. know who you are. Yeah. You're getting 700 submissions yeah. for, for each one and, and having so to go through that. It's got to the stage, to be honest, where, I mean, we, are, we don't do an awful lot of publicity around the submissions period because you don't you know, need to <laughs> yeah and if, if you do tweet that you're open for submissions that is the tw that's the one that goes viral you know so 700 submissions but really what is the quality like um it's i think it's very mixed i mean i think what you're what i what as an editor and i think this would be true of sally now as well um what you're looking for is just a a, a, a are an interesting reading experience um, and you want your reaction to work that is good that has some sort of emotional impact on you is that you want to share that work and you're in a position as an editor and publisher to share that work with other people it's like you know read a story and go wow this is great here read this through the magazine um, but and so those are the easy clear cut you know that that's a definite yes. And then you see a lot of work that's kind of interesting, but not quite there. And there's, you know, maybe not fully developed yet. And, you know, lots of people are just trying to write. And um, publication is such an important um, part. of it. It's a validation for the writer starting out. So the temptation, I think, for writers is to is is that in those early stages to, to, to send out work very quickly. Um, to, you know, to, to get themselves on that on that journey of, of publication, um, and so sometimes they're sending out work too soon, um, and so I think the ones that are that are that I would unfortunately categorise as bad, and I hate saying you know using that word, but um, are are ones that perhaps the person hasn't read enough themselves just yet, so they're not at the stage where the work is. You know, developed, and you do offer feedback and where and we can, guidance. yes, yeah, and, yeah. and how, in what form do you do that? Is it an email? Is it a um, conversation? Yeah, I know, like I know, I mean, Sally would have probably got back to it, probably a hundred. I mean, there is everyone gets a, 
some notification from us that we're not publishing the story. And then obviously the good news for some, for the, for the very few that we are publishing the story. But for about 100 writers, I know Sally got back to people. And this is what we tr- try to do where we can is, you know, to give some sort of feedback in the sense of, you know, we definitely want you to submit more work because, you know, and oftentimes the people who are in the magazine uh, and have ended up now in this anthology or indeed writers that we've ended up full collections by, their first attempt we may well have rejected. It it does happen. Interesting. And Sarah, you also review new fiction for the Irish Times. So you're seeing new writing all the time, good and bad. Yes, although I suppose I'm seeing it a novel or a collection of short stories once it's undergone um, I would presume a fairly rigorous uh, edit and publishing process before it gets to the stage where it's a final book and it comes into the Irish Times so it's a little bit different to as Declan was saying there so people who write a story fire it off and then say you know I've written a story I want it published Uh, but there is that crossover and when Declan approached me to do the anthology I was aware of that crossover and it does help you know I'm reading new writers emerging writers uh, through the column and then I'm reading them as well and the anthology so many people always say as well that you know a lot of writers are told that they should try writing short stories first before progressing to to the big novel so do you agree with that? I don't know I think on, on the one hand writing short stories is a real art and you have authors who are just short story writers and that's what they write and they're excellent at it. And then I suppose if on the flip side of the coin, you know, if every new author who was starting out decided they were going to write a novel, maybe nobody or a lot of people wouldn't get anywhere and they'd spend an awful lot of time not getting anywhere because a novel, it takes quite a lot of time to write whereas a short story by its nature uh, takes less time. So maybe to practice it, it, it is, you know, it, it's the right form to practice, but there's definitely a difference between practicing a short story or starting out and then being able to write really, really good short stories. Yeah. And what an is the key to a good short story? For me, uh, I think it's a story that creates a unique world, uh, authentic characters, uh, proper experience for the reader, uh, details that chime and draw the reader in. And also maybe because of the length of the story, the ability or the writer's ability to know what details to omit and what details to leave out. So what does the reader really want to know? In my introduction to the anthology, I quote uh, the Irish short story writer Eilish Nguivna and she says that uh, it's a place you don't want to leave. So something that has layers and has depth. And I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. And Declan, what about you? You're, you're reading these all the time. You're looking at the submissions and obviously Sally is the same at the moment. So, you know, what, what advice, I suppose, would you have for new writers who are approaching you? Um, well, I mean, I said earlier about the, you know, people sending work off too soon. So, I mean, I, I think you do have to do a lot of reading around contemporary short stories and um, and then you have to kind of work on the story as much as you possibly can. Um, but then, there, you know, the flip side of that is people who hold on to their work too long. So there is there's always a point where you have to let it go and submit. So, you know, we, we, de- we definitely want to read the submissions but um and and we're very kind of forgiving in terms of you know we read a story each time you want to submit a story and um you know so we do we do eventually take people in uh, if the story in in delivers and and you know it's it's very hard to define what that is and i suppose my attitude changes over time and you know so i still ha- over 20 years i haven't come up with a 
<laughs> good <laughs> the, the soundbite nugget of an answer here, but um, you know, I, yeah, it's just it's just that something provides you with a reading experience, and it's an insight into a new world, or it's a, it's a world that feels completely true to you, and um, and then that it is just cl- clearly a, a you know a, a unique piece of work. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm really struggling here to come up with the definition. So, um, and are you writing yourself at the moment? No, I, I gave all that up quite a lot. So you can't time even ago. take your own advice. Yeah, no, I, I know, and I don't want to, you know. But I, I mean, I love short stories. So, um, and you know, but it's it's reading them now that I love, and also editing them and and, and working with the author on the text. And, um, and Sarah, you've written as well. Are you writing much at the moment? From a, a novel and short story perspective? Uh, no, I'm just uh, journalism and editing at the moment. One other question. Stinging Fly, where did the name come from? Um, so it was, it's a quote from uh, The Last Days of Socrates by Plato, of all people. And <laughs> it's the idea that the city is like a large, lazy horse that would sleep all day if it could, but needs this, and needs the stimulation of some stinging fly. And so the stinging fly, has, I think... The idea is that this, the writer is the stinging fly in society, so it's kind of that the writer will provoke or the writer will, you know, not allow that lazy horse to sleep all day, um, but will challenge us uh, to think anew and um, to, to look at things that we might not want to look at. Makes sense. Yeah. And finally, and probably unfairly, <laughs> which piece in the anthology is your favourite, Sarah? I don't have one favourite, uh, but there are an awful lot of stories uh, that I do like in it, obviously, because we uh, we picked the 40 together. One thing I'll say, though, because, um, you know, my friends and my family have bought copies of the anthology and also in the reviews that we've been getting in the papers. I love that people come back and say, oh, I love this one or that one. So there just seems to be a really good mix of stories. And, you know, my uncle, who's in his 70s, will like one type of story and my friend who is in her 30s will like another. Uh, I probably I had been familiar with uh, authors through the column and through writing about new fiction. Uh, one of them was Danielle McLaughlin. I had read her whole collection that uh, Stinging Fly Press published before. So maybe I had a slight bias uh, for Danielle's work because I really liked the collection when I read it. So I think uh, if you're really putting me on the spot to pick one story, <laughs> I'm going to say uh, Night of the Silver Fox by Danielle. Yeah. And Declan? Yeah, I equally cannot say that. But I mean, and I never can really because... You're being diplomatic now. I, yeah, Come on. I, and I have to be <laughs> diplomatic in a way. But I think, you know, I think what I think what is good, what, what I'm going to say, though, is around what Sarah said. I mean, and this has happened with issues in the magazine as well. That, And it's partly also to do with the judging of what, what goes in. Um, you know, as you read a story, you're trying to figure out what a writer is trying to do with the story. And it's a matter of seeing have they achieved that, and you know, so that's that's part of the judgment process. And um, which one? Go on, just <laughs> the one. We only want one. <laughs> okay, we are we are being slightly unfair yeah, here. No, but no. Declan Mead and Sarah Gilmartin, thank you for joining us on Inside Books. And you'll find stinging fly stories in all bookshops now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books IRE. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on SoundCloud or iTunes. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production 